From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. When we read headlines about child sex trafficking rings, it may be tempting to think something so sordid couldn't happen here in central New York, but it does. And here to talk about this with me is Dr. Alicia Pekarski. She's an assistant professor of pediatrics at Upstate, and she works in the Child Abuse Referral and Evaluation Program at the McMahon-Ryan Child Advocacy Center. Thanks for coming on HealthLink on Air, Dr. Pekarski. Thanks for having me. I want to start with a definition of child sex trafficking. Um, the Department of Justice stipulates minors that are used for the purpose of commercial sex. Um, can you talk to me about how victims fall prey to situations like this? I think there are a number of uh, risk factors for children entering into the field of sex trafficking. Um, one risk factor is children who've been in foster care or in and out of different homes. So lack of stability. Lack of stability in their home environment. Um, Another risk factor is a child who's been um, a victim of abuse. Um, So more specifically, a child who's been a victim of abuse who has not um, disclosed their abuse yet or has disclosed and not been believed and not been treated. So these traffickers sort of lure them with offers of food and clothes and a safe place to sleep and sort of work their way into their lives that way? Right. Um, they are looking for kids um, like we just like we talked about. Um, and by definition, um, commercial sexual exploitation of children or domestic minor sex trafficking is when they try to engage a child, bring them somewhere to have the child have sex with someone in exchange for money, food, shelter, or even protection. So it's not just um, money. I think people think of it as they're getting something um, financial from the person, but it can be any other thing of value. So these are not child prostitutes per se. They're- no, they're victims. And I think that there's definitely been a major um, paradigm shift in the probably the last five, 10 years as we've started to recognize this problem more and call it what it is. Um, these children are victims. They're not prostitutes. And do we see this happening in central New York? We do, unfortunately. I think it's um, quite common. It's more common than we'd like to believe. Um, and I think we're at particular risk being um, along the, the throughway. So you'll see it in bigger cities. Um, and we are, you know, concerned because we have the throughway that goes from Buffalo East to Albany and then down to New York City. So we see it um, across the state, including in central New York. And I think that it's at this point underreported. There's probably a lot more children who are victims than we actually recognize. So there are children maybe from other cities that are brought here, and then there are children from here that are are victimized here and then taken elsewhere. Right. That's right. What role does the internet and telephone apps play in child sex exploitation? That touches upon a, a really interesting topic of online safety. Um, and as a parent, I, I think about this a lot. I think that with social media and all these apps that are on kids' smartphones, um, it's very easy for um, perpetrators, um, people who are looking for children, to connect with them. And that's sort of this these 
preteens and teens spend a lot of time online or on apps um, mm-hmm. connecting with friends and maybe people they they don't know who they are really right because we often we know that people are portraying themselves as something different as a different age as a different gender as a different profession when they're contacting children um, they'll say that they're a peer um, at first, that they're the same age, um, that they go to the neighboring high school and that they want to meet up and they lure the children. And these are kids, you know, from all parts of Syracuse. Um, these are kids who are going to school or they're also kids who aren't going to school, meaning they're being, they're truant. Um, they're kids who may be sneaking out at nighttime and then coming back in the morning and getting on the bus or going to school. Do we have a sense of how uh, number-wise how many kids are victimized in this way in this area? I'm not sure, certain about Onondaga County in particular. Um, we have put forth great efforts at McMahon Ryan Child Advocacy Center um, to identify these victims. Um, but I can tell you that in New York State in 2018, um, there were over 400 reports um, of uh, child victims. Um, and again, this number is going to be vastly underreported. Um, children who are victims of sex abuse or physical abuse, we know that their numbers are unre- underreported and that many children are hesitant to discuss their abuse. Um, and in addition to that, children who are victims of sex trafficking are even more so um, reticent to discuss what's going on in their lives. So we know that that number is much, much higher. What do we know about the traffickers, the the people that, that victimize these children? Are they mostly men of a certain age? or There's definitely a lot of men, but I would say women are involved in trafficking um, as well. Um, there's a a lot of times the head trafficker is a man, um, but they have a close connection with someone called the bottom, who's typically a woman in the cases that I've been involved in and what I've learned at national from national meetings um, on this topic. Um, so there's a bottom who's typically a woman who does some of the recruiting also and may act as kind of a maternal figure to some of these children who may not have um, that, again, that stability in their home. So how do traffickers get away with this? I mean, obviously, they don't all get away with it because we see arrests in in news accounts of arrests from time to time. But how do they get away with it? I think because initially, um, and potentially for many years, victims don't see themselves as victims. Um, They're the children, um, since I'm a pediatrician, the children that I take care of, I can speak to, their brain hasn't fully developed. And so they don't recognize their victims. And this can go on for a long period of time. Um, In addition, I think it's a difficult um, entity to identify, um, because there aren't a lot of specific signs or symptoms. There are signs and symptoms, you know, that we would consider in the medical community that go with a victim who's been sex trafficked but they're not specific to that condition. So they may, you know, a child, for example, who's truant from school and is running away multiple times, um, it could be related to sex trafficking. It could be related to them being abused in their home. It could be related to them having a mental health issue that's untreated, amongst other things. 
This is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Alicia Pekarski. She's an assistant professor of pediatrics at Upstate, and she works in the Child Abuse Referral and Evaluation Program at the McMahon Ryan Child Advocacy Center. So I want to make sure we talk about the resources that are available. Um, I know New York State has a trafficking and exploitation hotline with the number of 315 318-1966. But there's some other resources in addition to the McMahon-Ryan Child Advocacy Center. Um, Which ones do you recommend? Some of the resources that I um, teach about at Upstate as well as um, offer to families um, is the website for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, um, NECMEC. Another website that I think has really nice... um, Visual presentation of data and interesting information is the Polaris Project. Um, so that's P-O-L-A-R-I-S, the Polaris Project. And then also um, the Child Welfare Information Gateway, um, which is produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. All right, I want to get back into if you're a, if you're a child, and we say child, but teenage, 15 to 16, 17-year-olds is, is kind of what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. The bulk of the victims, um, and you're in a situation like this, it might be hard to recognize what's happening to you, right? What are some of the things, would you have any advice to give someone who finds themselves in this type of situation where they're being exploited? How do they break free of it? I think it's important um, to recognize, again, that a lot of times victims don't realize they're being victimized. So until they do realize that it's hard to quote unquote break them free. Um, And I think a lot of medical professionals think about our jobs as saving people. And in in this case, unfortunately, a lot of these children don't want to be saved. Um, The most important thing I think to do to help these children is to offer them assistance. So offer them to list, offer to listen to them, um, be complete in terms of physical examinations to look for clues that may go with trafficking um, and give them resources. And actually, this is now a n- fairly new law in New York State that all hospitals, community health centers, um, they need to offer that assistance. You mentioned uh, during an exam, a doctor might look for clues to trafficking. What would some of those clues be? Well, one of those clues, honestly, is what you see when you walk in the room. And this is an important um, teaching point, I think, for medical learners and in the community. Um, When you walk in the room and you look around at what's going on in any room, including in the hospital, um, I like to observe the interactions Um, of who's in the room. So in a lot of cases of sex trafficking, um, the victim child is being accompanied by their trafficker. Um, And if you don't ask who's in the room, you have no idea. Um, So it's always appropriate to ask who else is in the room with the child. You'll often see um, the trafficker trying to dominate the interview. So whereas with most teenagers who are typically developing Um, we tend to ask questions of the child because they can certainly provide most of their own history. Um, A lot of times when you try to ask a child victim um, about what's going on, 
the trafficker who's the other adult in the who's the adult in the room will start answering for the child because they're trying to direct the medical visit for this child just like they direct all the child's actions outside of the hospital. So that's one clue. And I think in terms of physical exam um, or things that people can see um, when you're when you have children out and about in the community, one of the important things I think to look for is tattoos. So we've recognized in the past few years that these children are being branded um, either with their trafficker's name or um, with a number or with a, a sign of something of some sort. And I like to ask any child um, when I meet them, if I see something written on their body, whether, again, it's it's marker or it's a temporary tattoo or it's an actual permanent tattoo, what that tattoo means um, to them. Um, most people who have a tattoo um, that they willingly put there will share their story and they're excited to tell you about it. A victim um, often doesn't want to tell you because they don't want to be recognized. Now, with uh, situations of child abuse, I know in the community there are um, mandated reporters where doctors, teachers, people in positions like that are required to report cases or suspicions of child abuse. Does that apply to sex trafficking? It does, and that's actually a new um, law within New York State Um, that if you are concerned about a child being a victim of trafficking, whether it's labor trafficking or sex trafficking, that you must report that to the state central register. Um, And just like with child abuse, um, including physical abuse and sexual abuse, you do not need to confirm the diagnosis. You do not need to be sure that that is what is going on. It's you, you report if you have a concern. All right. Uh, In your experience, children who've become victims uh, like this, can they be rehabilitated? Absolutely. They have to want to be rehabilitated, though. Um, There's lots of services for kids who've been victimized in this way. Um, There's been a push across the country for recognition um, and uh, intervention and treatment. But again, the child has to want that because they have to confirm what's been going on in their life and that they want the help and and that they want the help well good this has been some good information i appreciate you being here my guest has been upstate pediatrician alicia pekarski i'm amber smith for upstate's podcast and talk show health link on air